Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. We're back, baby. I'm here with Meredith. Hello. Hello. This is the... Uh, y'all, I'm traveling a lot this month. I was in New Orleans. It was super fun. I'm so sad not to be there anymore. Everyone you meet in New Orleans is the nicest person you've ever met, which is <laughs> great for a vacation. Um, you know, they're they're a tourist city, so they know how to handle everybody, but it was such a good time. And I have to tell this story very quickly before I make some announcements, but I was with a bunch of comedy people. And as you know, Meredith, comedy people love bits, right? And they we love, sure do. love to run them into the ground until anybody within our immediate uh, vicinity is just like, these are the worst people I've ever met. That is what comedians do. So all weekend, we had an ongoing joke about how I would be brutally murdered in the primary bedroom, right? Uh, because my friends were very kind to give me the primary bedroom because it was my birthday. And the bit of it was that they would have all been too busy individually masturbating to have <laughs> heard me getting uh, brutally murdered. So, and I, I listen, I can't walk you through how this bit organically came to be, but it was just very funny. I told Meredith this, but I think it started because every single room had what they were calling a cuck chair, which is also known as an accent chair. It is a, a chair that's tastefully placed in one of the corners of the bedroom as an accessory to sort of like, as the dude would say, really bring the room together, right? But they were calling it a cuck chair, which I thought was so funny. And I think that's how the masturbation bit sort of organically manifested from that. Anyway, we're joking, we're joking, we're joking about this. And then one night, I have been like slowly trying to reincorporate dairy and shellfish and meat back into my diet for a variety of health reasons. We don't have to get into it, but everything had been going pretty well, Meredith, with me reincorporating this stuff back into my diet until I found out on this trip, I am violently allergic to shellfish, apparently. So one night we had crawfish, which is even if you eat fish and shellfish, People tend to, people can, it's very common to have an allergic reaction because northerners are not used to eating crawfish. This is what I was told. So, yeah, we just don't have enough of it. Yeah, it's not part of our diet. So, I go buck wild one night because I'm drunk and I'm 40 and I'm like, I'm in New Orleans. So, I eat a bunch of crawfish. That night, I am so sick. I learned later on, like I Googled what was happening to me and I was in anaphylactic shock, basically, where like my eyes swelled up. I was like, I'm sorry, y'all, projectile vomiting. Um, this is the grossest part of the show. Don't worry. And I ended up sleeping on the bathroom floor. <laughs> so like later I told everybody what happened. And obviously they were all furious at me that I didn't wake them up because they were like, you should have gone to the ER. And I'm like, mm, yep, you're absolutely right. I probably should have. Not probably. I should have. And then, uh, but secondly, I was like, the bit was real because I wasn't getting murdered, but I was uh, violently throwing up and nobody fucking heard me in this Airbnb. They were, they did not hear a peep. I'm like, I, you, guys, I flushed the toilet 30 times maybe. <laughs> and they were like, no, we slept like babies. And I was like, cool, 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 cool. But the trip was so dope. 
here's how dope, you know, the trip was. First of all, I did New Orleans so hard. I gave myself anaphylactic shock, which is great. And then secondly, that didn't ruin it for me in the slightest. I was like, all right, I puked it up. We're good to go. And then we had a fucking amazing time. Um, But I did have to tell that story where I'm like, I fully almost killed myself in New Orleans. Oh, I mean, I was (laughs) furious with you when I heard you, when you told me this story, uh, because I immediately said, I can't believe that you didn't tell anyone and that you didn't go to the hospital. This is ridiculous. Yeah, it's wild. My friend was like, why didn't you wake us up? And I was like, I am like an animal when I'm hurt or I'm sick. I'm just like, because here's the thing. I, my throat wasn't closing up and I could breathe. So I was like, okay, I clearly just need to throw up the crawfish and I'll be fine. And I was, I maintain if I had had trouble breathing, I would have woken them up. But I was like, I just know I'm going to have to work through this and I know what's going to have to happen and I'm just going to deal with it. But truly I'm like a wild animal when I'm hurt. I just like retreat into my cave and just quietly deal with the pain. But yeah, I, I clearly let this be a lesson to everyone. Uh, if you go into anaphylactic shock in the middle of the night, wake somebody up. Wake yeah, them. just yeah. don't wait. Don't worry about it. It's <laughs> not going to be an issue. Like people will not be mad. Uh, you really need to make sure that you're getting some medical attention because you just don't know. And also, come on, Allison. I know. Just because it was only throwing up and feeling disgusting. I know. You know, that can still dehydrate you. You don't yes. want to end up. I was drinking water the whole night. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I was a dum-dum. But now I know I'm allergic to shellfish. That So that's exciting. Ooh. I do not think I am allergic to shellfish, but it's been a long time since I... Well, I know I'm not allergic to shellfish, but it's been a while since I had crawfish. We'll see... Someday. Something I found out that I thought was interesting was I had had shellfish in the past and my throat felt itchy. And I told a friend of mine about this and she's like, that's an early sign of anaphylactic shock. But I was like, oh, well, if that's as bad as it gets, that wasn't very bad. But I found (laughs) out shellfish allergies get worse. So if that was the first one, what happened to me in New Orleans was like level two. So I thought, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really thought I was like, okay, so that's as bad as it's going to get. And then New Orleans was like, there's vomiting, there's vomiting too. So I, the first thing I did, of course, was Google, can I take a pill to eat shellfish? And the internet was like, bitch, just don't eat shellfish. And I was like, fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. Except you're like, God, but it's so good. I so want good. it now. And I've also, been, <sighs> as I said, I need, I need protein, uh, in my diet and, uh, vegans don't come for me. Um, beyond like our usual supplemental protein that we would eat as vegans. So I was like, oh, this is great. This is like a source of protein. And my body was like, uh, uh, uh. So I'm like, all right, eggs. I guess we go back to eggs. Um, just so many eggs. Oh, so all many the time. eggs. Uh, just like a village of eggs. It's all right. Uh, so quick announcement. We have one more episode after today's episode before I leave for Australia. So just FYI, going to take another mini hiatus and then I'm I'm back back. So just want everybody to know that. Please don't panic. Uh this is just something quickly, it's a tangent that I wanted to go on before we get to uh, recommendations and uh discussing the Oscars a little bit. Um, yeah, tangent away. Why is it so hard to find a cute grocery cart? 
And I'm not talking about like, they're the basic ones, you know, the grandma carts in the city. Yeah. You don't live in the city. Uh, we need to, uh, uh, many people don't have cars. So uh, what they do is they uh, shop with these little carts on wheels to get groceries and, and stuff like that. So not the grandma carts, which I, again, no shade. They're very practical. They're very sturdy. I was just like, there's got to be like a cute one, you know? And it's really hard to find a cute grocery cart. And if you do find one, they're like $200. And I'm like, A, why is this so fucking expensive? It's basically a rolling suitcase, right? Yeah. I'm not paying I mean, $200. dollars cage on wheels. Yeah. I'm not paying $200 for no rolling suitcase. So why am I paying $200 for a rolling grocery cart? It's the same engineering. What am I paying for? And then two, no like entrepreneur, young entrepreneur has gotten on this. We're like, I don't want to call it the amplification, but like made this shit aesthetically pleasing yet. They're all so tacky and gross. When you find one that's cute, it's sold out, of course. But I'm like, man, that is like an untapped market. Huh. I guess it's been a while since I've really thought about it because yes, of course, I've had the the granny carts and they are incredibly useful. God, you know, you need to have your supplies. But it never occurred to me to make it cute. I just always figured that was the kind of thing that was always like an equalizer. Like uh, like people on the cover of Vogue and uh, random Serbian babushkas were just all going to be the same that way. And I'm the one who's like, okay, but can we make it work? Can we make it like fierce? Uh, exactly. Can You're I like, serve? Oh, uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, can I serve cunt while I'm uh, shopping for my groceries, please? Yeah. I mean, like, if I have to have it, I'm like, I want it to be cute. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I've never had a grocery cart, which is wild because I've lived in the city now like 17 years and just tough it out. I just carry shit everywhere. But now I'm like, okay, like, considering that I'm probably going to be here for the long, long term, I'm like, all right, I really got to get used to using a cart. Um, but yeah, I, I find it very strange cause like a lot of young people use them too. And I'm just like, they're all still ugly. What is this? So if anybody knows of one, let me know. Like if your friend makes one or something. And please keep me posted about this journey. I am now really curious because I think it's so unhinged yeah. that you're for sure. looking yeah. for one that has to have, you know, the style to it. You know so what? So I is? need to know everything. It's not fun to have to do it. So I'm like, let's at least be cute, you know? And let serve looks. Like every part of existence is miserable. So let's just be like fierce while we're doing it, you know? Yeah, I get it. I I do appreciate where you're coming from here. I just think it's quite funny because I <laughs> I don't know. I I know I think since the last three years has meant that we've talked via text or on the podcast mm -hmm. so much of the time. I forget that you become you're incredibly stylish and Ooh. have are like showing up nicely turned out all the time. So well, it's become a bit of an issue because I, I really like fashion. I like dressing up. Um I overdress for everything. And a uh, a result of me doing that is people feel bad like they're underdressed and I have to explain every single time I'm the problem. You look normal. I just turned up because I like to turn up. Um, I like building looks and I like 
fashion. So, but it's never, I'm never judging other people. I'm always, if anything, slightly embarrassed because I'm like, ooh, I am very overdressed for this occasion. Yeah. But it's really like you're the Miss Havisham. Exactly. Other people are not slobs. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's something wrong with me. So I, I kept having to explain that in New Orleans because I had booked reservations for pretty nice restaurants, but also like it's a tourist city. So people were showing up in like shorts and flip flops. And every night I had like a look and my friends were just like, what the fuck? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm This is just like fun for me. It's not a judgment <laughs> against you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying to delete it. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, uh, it's up there forever. <laughs> I'm pinning it. Oh no, I'm pinning it. Um, so let's get to our Oscar predictions. We did not do great, Meredith. <laughs> no, I knew that we were uh, quite off the base when I was watching the show. And then you told me that we were, that you got like, what, 50%, 50%. and I got 42. Something. And I thought, all right, yeah. that's bad, but okay. But I will give us credit for this. We, our big prediction at the end of that episode was that it would be old Academy versus new Academy. And it ended up kind of being split because the old Academy won all the technical awards for all quiet on the Western front. And then new Academy swept the acting, writing, directing. Um, So we were both kind of right. You know, like I predicted that everything, everywhere, all at once would perform really, really well with Best Picture, Director, um, several of the acting categories, although we didn't predict uh, Jamie Lee Curtis winning. That was a surprise. Um, And you had predicted uh, All Quiet on the Western Front winning some stuff. Right. I was, yeah. And I was just, yeah, I'm glad that my cynicism was correct there. I remember how we were very, very worried. <laughs> we were very worried. Yeah. I, and listen, uh, I really admire the boldness with which we predicted uh, Colin Farrell would win <laughs> Best Actor because that was just us wishing from our hearts. You know, there was absolutely no predictors uh, indicating that he was going to win or anything like that. We were just like, we want him to win. Brendan Fraser ended up winning for a very, very bad movie. But, um, you know, we love Brendan Fraser. That is just a very bad, fat phobic film that you should not watch. And also not post memes about, guys. I saw that today. Someone was like, could you not post memes of this movie? Because, like, they, they're they a fat person. And they're like, when I see those memes, it, like, hurts my feelings. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Can we not do that? <laughs> can we just uh, yeah. let this movie go? <laughs> Also, the absolute horror of the whale winning for best makeup was also just infuriating because I'm sorry, guys. Ew. Just ew. ew. Yeah. I don't have anything very, I don't have anything smart to say there other than it's. It's just so obvious why that's a disgusting thing to decide to reward. Yeah, I would say this to like anybody out there who's thinking about becoming an actor or is currently an actor. If you ever find yourself um, being put into a fat suit to just immediately be like, hey, guys, can we hit pause? I don't want to do this because it's insulting. And if you wanted a, a fat actor, you should have hired a fat actor. 
you know, guys, I've made a huge mistake here. I don't think this is the kind of technology we need to be using right now. Yeah. Uh, and I also don't think we need to like compare it to other things. Like we don't need to compare it to say blackface. We can just let it stand on its own as its own awful thing <laughs> that like actors should not do anymore because it's 2023. And it's enough to say like fat people are people and you shouldn't be dressing up as them in your little movies. As much as I love Brendan Fraser and I'm so happy he's back. And I'm, I so look forward to seeing what he does uh, in the future. Yeah, let's not do that. And then like, but let's focus on the good. Uh, Key and Michelle won for everything, everywhere, all at once. And it was so fucking delightful. It was. And I cried exactly as much as I thought I was going to. Mm -hmm. Because it still feels really good to watch uh, people who have who crushed it in that movie and who are incredibly gracious and incredibly friendly and who have wonderful Oscar ready stories, you know, in terms of their lives, get up there and, and rep for people. It was just so sweet. And I am very, very happy. And now I really hope that Hollywood continues to hire them to do things. I mean, I, I I'm not like, worried about Michelle. No, Michelle. But, like, Michelle's a legend. Yeah, Michelle's a legend. She's always been a legend. She's gonna be fine. I'm worried about Key, but I'm hoping that like he's just so beloved that I'm like, somebody please cast him. You know, I mean, they're already uh, reuniting like a, a lot of the cast for. I don't know if it's a movie or a series, but they're all working together again. So I'm like, oh, that's yeah, it's great. Like a, it's like an Apple. TV yeah. series that I think is happening. Um, I just remember seeing Key saying in an interview that he needed one more job to get his union health insurance and he couldn't get a single <sighs> job, which is awful, absolutely appalling. And that's the stuff that is that really stands out to me when I think about how we reward actors and how everyone crafts these award season narratives because you it's really easy not to think about the fact that they need to get hired for shit to continue to participate in the industry and we can make a million jokes about Cuba Gooding Jr. and the Snow Dogs era yeah but he's got to work <laughs> yeah like yeah. if that was the only offer he had after he won for Jerry Maguire yeah. He needs to keep his union insurance. Well, Rachel um, Rachel Ziegler just joked about that with Shazam, where like she was on the red carpet, I think, and someone asked her why she took this role, and she's like, "Cause I need to work." <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> and that that's enough of an answer. It's like it doesn't have to be like, "Well, I just really connected spiritually with this dumb superhero character," you know? Like, why lie about it? I it's a job, and I need to work, and I'm an actress, and that's what I do. So, uh. I think that's enough. Yeah, I, I was listening to a podcast that was like, man, to have the grace that he had to stand in that room full of people who did not hire him all yep. those years. A lot of people who like he's friends with, who he's worked with, like as a child. And I have no proof that he ever reached out to them. But like, you know, uh, there's for sure. Statistically, there were people in that room he approached and they said no to him. And to be so um, 
grateful and poised is really like what a what a classy gent. Yeah. I mean, I think that was the part that shone through for me so much in the entire arc of award season and just watching him like to focus on the positive and to treat this like an experience to be grateful for mm-hmm. and not focus on that it wasn't a score settling situation. 100%. I mean, and, yeah. And, and that's so lovely because I would be spiting <laughs> yeah. everyone. And at the same time, <laughs> it wasn't like he avoided talking about it. He still, he brought it up where he's like, I couldn't get hired, but it was yeah. sort of like a motivational way or an uplifting way. But I, I just respected that balance he found where it's like, I'm not going to pretend this didn't happen, but when I talk about it, I'm going to frame it as being very grateful to be back and excited about the future. And it's like, man, that that's a hard you know, uh, note to play every single time you're, you speak in front of a group. And also I brought this up to someone the other day. Like I saw everything everywhere all at once, super early. Sorry to be that person, but I saw it like the day it came out and like it, it kicked my head in. I thought it was so great. And I posted about it everywhere, but it came out right after the last Oscars. Yeah, it came out in March. Yeah. So I was like, no way is this thing going to, A, it's so weird. It's not going to have general appeal to the Academy. It's too weird. And then B, even if it does have appeal, it's going to lose momentum. And then it just kept building and building and building and it never fucking let up. And I think a large part of that credit should go to the Daniels and it should go to that amazing cast that are the most charming human beings alive who were great in a room, who were deeply passionate about this movie and they fought for it. Yeah. I mean, the there was that story that, you know, with supposedly Daniel Kwan said at one of the Oscar parties, like, I can't wait to stop, like, never talk about this fucking movie I'm again. Sure, and I thought, sure. and some people were trying to make that into him being ungracious. And I was no. like, uh, no, I mean, I think that this is just the reality of having like realizing that you've got an opportunity to take a thing you put your heart and soul into and you just have to flog it until it's dead to make sure people see it and appreciate it because this is the golden opportunity and it's okay to be ready to be done. <laughs> Well, I don't think people understand how grinding a press circuit is. Like, you are answering more or less the same questions a hundred times a day. And you become a zombie. Like, if you ever see actors you really love look completely dead-eyed in an interview, it's because that is, like, the hundredth interview they've done that day. And they are answering the same questions. And their soul has left their body to protect them, basically. Yeah. I mean, imagine having to do that for more than a year. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. 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 And, and the fact in that they every had, country the, in every country in the world. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, occasionally you'll get a good interviewer who knows how to like spice things up a little bit. But for the most part, everybody just wants the same sound bites. Like, how is it working with Michelle Yeoh? You know, stuff like that. Where it's like, how many different ways can I answer this? And the fact that they all stayed so enthusiastic and so charming the whole time, like that is a skill separate from being a good actor. And the fact that like all of them had that, it was just like, oh, this is like the perfect formula for success, you know? Um, Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think that's one of the, 
it, it kind of fits into this my, little theory I have about why Jamie Lee Curtis ended up winning that yes. award. Yeah. That it was, yes, it was because she was in the movie. It's because people like her. They remember her parents. But also, as cringy as her middle-aged, you know, boomer white lady thing kind of can feel, that, like, her enthusiasm for the movie and the fact that she was out there using the full force of her personality and clout to drag people to care Mm -hmm. and just being excited was huge, you know? Like, she used her cringy, proud mom (laughs) thing to full effect. Weaponized And that was really smart. I mean, yeah, like, listen, we we both, I think, feel uh, Angela Bassett should have won. But I once she, once Jamie Lee Curtis won, I was like, this makes a lot of sense for the Academy because she is like this legacy from a very respected acting family. She's been around forever. Uh, a part of me was excited because she's a genre actress. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. the thing she's most well known for is horror. So I thought that was really cool where I was like, oh, it's like horror kind of one but not really you know like (laughs) everything everywhere all at once is not a horror film but like uh jamie's ours and it's cool to see her win um but yeah like i completely agree with everything you said she she has a habit of being cringe but also she's got this great talent of like she's so charming like if you've ever seen jamie lee curtis turn up the charm it's like oh of course the voters were like i really like her every time i see her she like really listens to me and we have a connection and I'm going to vote for her, you know? Yeah. I mean, to like bring her cringe to supporting the movie that she was in and treating like always like just having the skill to show up and in those interviews, never flagging with her energy when it came to talking about the Daniels and the stunt coordinators and the makeup people and all of the fight coordinators and everything, you know, all of this stuff, like, she spent a lot of time making sure that everybody's names got said. Yes. And that's proud mama. Unfortunately, yeah, but it's also not normal no. for mm-hmm. uh for press tours. Yeah, you no, know? that's a good point. She she was very gracious with the whole team. The team like legitimately seems very close and Somebody pointed this out the other day, but uh, sorry, I can't remember where I heard anything. I'm just like, it's all in the ether, guys. I'm just plucking from the ether. But someone said, um, the reason Everything Everywhere All at Once got funding is because they got Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. And then they they were originally going for Jackie Chan, but they got Michelle Yeoh. And that was like, oh, done deal. Like, no matter who else we get after this, we have funding, you know? Yeah. Um, but I thought that was a good point where I was like, oh, yeah, she was crucial to this movie in that sense where it's like Michelle Yeoh, obviously hugely respected and like beloved. But in terms of like name recognition in America, internationally, she has huge name recognition. But in America, Jamie Lee Curtis has a bigger profile. Um, so I was like, oh, that's a good point, because I guess she did have more of a because when you look at the role itself, it's like, really? But then thinking of it in like the scope of the film i was like oh she was very important <laughs> to this <laughs> getting made in general um so even though i predicted it my two big like holy shit moments were michelle beating kate cuz I, I i wanted that to happen and um but I, 
really like in my heart, I was sort of like, there's no way. And then the fuck, the Daniels winning was like stunning. Uh, even though, again, I predicted it. I, I just thought like, oh, I'm making these predictions from my heart. And that, that's when I was like, man, maybe the Academy is, maybe some of these changes they've made behind the scenes are finally starting to manifest in results. Yeah. And honestly, if the, if the award, we know the awards shows don't matter. We know that none of this stuff is Correct. actually important. Correct. Why not go to a, a system or a, a, a period where we're rewarding weird crowd pleasing movies? Yeah. Uh, it's not as if so called Oscar bait or hard films are going to go away. I know we can talk about the problems of the like middle brow Oscar bait studio film, but I don't think that a victory of something like Nomadland or everything everywhere, that's not going to cause fewer tars to get made. You know what I mean? Like the biggest opportunity that's going to come is the fact that it seems like the superhero universe is starting to collapse at the box office. So exciting. Uh, Every time one of the superhero films absolutely eats shit at the box office, I send it to Meredith. And again, I can't emphasize this enough. I like the superhero films. I, at least I used to, the quality has waned to the point where even I'm like, no thanks. Like I didn't see Shazam. I don't care about Shazam. I'm not going to see Shazam. Um, But Ooh, I was going to say something off of that, and I have forgotten. Um, was it about me sending you the <laughs> thing from somebody being like, oh, critics were so mean to our little superhero movie, or was it um, something else? I remember <laughs> it, it, was, it was that Todd Fields said that he's retiring, and I, I will say this. I think Tar is going to age really, really well, and I think maybe people will look back on this Oscars and be like, that should have won more stuff because it's an excellent film. And I, I'm perfectly happy with Michelle winning Best Actress, but I mean, some of the other stuff, it just felt like Tar was under-rewarded this season. I I agree. I absolutely agree. I also think that it's really hard to say that you're retiring when you've made like <laughs> two movies correct and I also I don't believe directors when they say shit like I don't believe Quentin Tarantino like I'm like if if the right idea comes across your desk of course he'll be back in a second because he loves fucking movies he loves making movies he'll be back yeah and that's definitely that's certainly my opinion I think it's just a question of like when the next I don't think it can count as retirement if you don't make a movie for 12 years or I agree. however long it was. I totally agree. So he can retire and then make another movie in 12 years. It'll be fine. I think he's <laughs> feeling a little butthurt right now and that's understandable and he'll calm down and he'll be back. Yeah. Well, even Steven Spielberg was like, you know, there's plenty of people who want to reward those movies that stare straight into the middle distance. And I'm like, you are Steven Spielberg. On, Why dude. are you saying these things? Yeah. Come on. Don't be bitter about it. Um, no. Like, I'm sorry, but I've been thinking a lot. It's funny because it just was such a big night for kids who went to Emerson College. Um, (laughs) It really was. Which I uh, literally had not, when I was in college, had no idea existed, did not have any concept of this was a a school. And now I know some people who've been there. 
I'm like, shit, does this mean Emerson's like the new Wellesley? Yeah. Oh, no. It's like the new Oberlin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, For sure. But I thought, you know what? Who knows what's going to happen in the world? Let a couple, let a few guys and women in their 30s who all went to a liberal arts college and didn't have the same opportunities as the golden era for 70s filmmakers to celebrate and figure out what they're going to do. For sure. This is just, we can enjoy this stuff. Be, like, be the, uh, the Marty Scorsese, which is, you know, obviously not with superhero movies, but he still loves film and he loves to support small filmmakers and weird films. And he doesn't feel threatened by their presence. He's like excited to see stuff. He um, got excited watching Pearl, Pearl and he yeah. nice things to say for about Ty West. He has nice things to say, you know, he loves John Carpenter. Like he's a cool uh, dude. He's got an eclectic taste. I I just think with Spielberg, it was like such a personal film. Obviously, it's it's his life. Yeah, and to see it, I mean, there's no way to dress it up. Get rejected by his peers must have been tough. But also, you're Steven Spielberg. Yeah, it's fine. and also like you can be pissed at the studios too because they mismarketed the shit out of it and with zero. Uh, with absolutely zero audience momentum, it's very hard to imagine that even the Academy is going to jump out and say, oh yeah, this is a thing we're going to reward. Like, I just don't think that happens. I do want to say, to bring up James Cameron, even though we have no interest whatsoever in the Avatar movies, because uh, he did not go. Tom and Cruise wasn't there. Mm-hmm. On the on the episode we recorded, we're like, what Tom Cruise and James Cameron are going to be there? And they were both no-shows, which was like, ooh, yeah. yikes. But at least for being wrong on that, Jim Cameron threw a giant party for everyone who worked on Avatar. Yeah, for sure. I, so, I, like, was, good for him. Yeah. I think that's great. And also, as people continue to talk about Avatar 2, he told the story of almost beating the shit out of Harvey Weinstein in 1998 at the Oscars. Shit. Uh, So he's winning everything for Titanic. You know, things are going wild. Harvey Weinstein, he's like, I don't know who this guy is, but this big fat asshole, like just stands up and he's like, Hey, Hey, I'm Harvey, you know, come make a movie with me. We're all about the artist. We're all about the artist. And he's like, and I remember, you know, when he's like, I've been really good friends with Guillermo del Toro. For many, many years, you know, since he's like, he first came to Hollywood. And I remember him telling me stories about everything that happened on when he was making Mimic and how Mira Sorvino and the cast had to revolt to get him back on the film before, you know, because of what Harvey was doing. And I was so mad. And I was like, he's, I just told him to get the fuck out of my face. And he's lucky that I didn't clock him with my Oscar that I was holding in my hand. Amazing. (laughs) So, you know, that... That just felt nice to me. And he's, I can never, I will probably never see an Avatar movie. I do not give a shit about them. But for a man who has more money than God and three of the top grossing movies worldwide of all time, I'll give it to him. He's a real one because he was not going to let, he was going to be spiteful over the fact that several years before Harvey Weinstein had been a dick to his buddy over his vision about a cockroach like killer cockroach human hybrid attacking in the subways. Yeah. I, and like, you just have to give it up to him. Like speaking of people who saved the movies, like James Cameron is like, even if you don't like avatar, we don't watch the avatar films. You have to respect 
what he does for movies because um, he, he puts butts in seats, much like Tom Cruise. Um, I thought it was very funny. Tom Cruise was scared of seeing Nicole Kidman, so he did not attend. That was deeply funny to me. Um, because as I said to Meredith, she would not have caused a scene. She would have no. just like glanced his way and he couldn't handle that, which is how you know she's a powerful witch. Um, so sorry to that man that he uh, can't be in a room with a lady who's the mother of his children. Um, yeah, I mean, she showed up, but she was high as hell and so definitely high. ready to bang her husband uh-huh. in a bathroom. Uh-huh. Yeah, she she's so funny in red carpet interviews because you're constantly like, what? Uh, and she's having the best time. Uh, yeah, like the I was just struck by the fact that there weren't like a ton of famous people there, which is kind of what the Oscars is all about. But there were a bunch of no shows, a bunch of like younger stars just like weren't in anything this year. And like we so we missed out on some like big, big red carpet moments. Um, but yeah, kind of a, a low key chill ceremony. I'll say like the host always gets shit on because it's the worst job. But in terms of reliability, I mean, Jimmy Kimmel's great. He's yeah. great. Oh, he, he had, he, I thought he had a, like a lot of really funny jokes. Like I was genuinely was surprised good. by how many times I laughed and he had a couple of things that were cringe and they went fast, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like it was just, okay, one, two, three, moving on. I think we can retire unless they're super game and enthusiastic roping the audience into bits because like they don't want to do it, man. They don't want to do it. And I know we want to see famous people, but just like point the camera at them when they react to stuff. Don't like loop them into bits, you know? Crowd work is so just... It's so cringe. I mean, I think it's cringe in a regular comedy set. My God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Again, unless they're like really funny and quick but like when they try to do it with like dramatic when you try to get Kate Blanchett to like riff with you I'm like what is this <laughs> I don't I want to see this poor woman she like wanted to crawl under her chair well she did crawl under her chair yeah. away from Hassan at the Independent Spirit Awards that's right that's right uh and you know I appreciated that they actually had people who are funny doing funny bits when they presented awards. But do you remember like, the year before, like, um, the, the ladies were hosting and they like pulled the men up on stage and it was like, Oh my God, <laughs> what <laughs> is this? Just like the men they thought were hot. I'm like, Oh my God, this is so uncomfortable. No, but like watching Paul Dano be funny, liked it. Yeah. 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 He's like, even enjoy- I, I enjoyed forget. the cocaine bear bit. You know what I mean? That was like, okay. It was okay. It was okay. Hey, Look, at least they recognized they needed to address the fact that cocaine bear is a thing. But, you know, <laughs> they, I they gave it. Yeah, I we're going to get to cocaine bear in a second because I'm going to anti-wreck it. Uh, spoiler alert, everybody. Um, but I guess we can. Do you have anything else? Oh, the RRR dance was great, even though apparently they didn't use any uh, Indian dancers. Allegedly, I think is what happened. Yeah, yeah. and it wasn't choreographed by South, like anyone. So stupid. I'm like, uh, deeply confusing. I don't know why that call was made. Very strange. Um, but those dancers gave it their all. And I'm glad that that audience got to see a little bit of RRR. So maybe they'll be like, Oh, cool. Should I like check 
this movie out. It's like, yeah, you absolutely should have watched it already. <laughs> You're in the Academy. But I bet you there were a bunch of people in that room who had not seen it. And uh, it was just so... It gave the show an injection of adrenaline and joy when it needed it. Well, and, you know, something that a really smart music critic, her friend I have, uh, said is it was so nice to see part of the reason why it was refreshing was that not only is the song and the dance and like everything really exciting, visually arresting, just generally fantastic. It was something that moved the plot along in the film. It wasn't just like, okay, we need a song. That's a good point. Yeah. It, it plays like a critical part in the story. Um, anything else you wanted to talk about from the Oscars? No, I am already looking forward to Cannes, which is going to have some fun stuff. I can't wait for a bunch of French people to watch (laughs) (laughs) the idol, which they're playing. I love that they had to say like out of competition, like no shit. Uh, I, I just can't wait for early reviews of that train wreck. Oh, God. I hope they're really mean. I hope mm-hmm. we do whatever French people do when they hate something. It'll just be so funny. Uh, and also, you told me that uh, there's a new Almodovar coming. There is, yeah. Again, that will be premiering at Cannes, which is his answer to Brokeback Mountain, starring Ethan Hawke and Pedro Pascal. Every zaddy you love is in this film. Yeah, I'm really excited. I... I'm just like thrilled for Pedro that like he is celebrity number one right now. I do think everybody needs to calm down with like constantly sexually harassing this man because like I know it's a funny bit, but when he's on the red carpet to promote something and every single question is like, how does it feel to be hot? He's just like, I can I talk about the project, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe let's calm down and treat him like a person. But he's so lovely and he's so talented and not that he was like past his prime, but he was like, you know, he's like, what is he, 47? Yeah, um, 47, 48. Yeah, like definitely not at an age where you think he would become like sex symbol no- number one. And he has, which is very cool. And he's also just like so talented. He can literally do anything. He's funny. He's a great dramatic actor. Like he could do a million projects. I'm so excited to see him and stuff. Yeah, same. Um, so. No. I have a hot take recommendation, kind of, although I feel like momentum's building a little bit where this isn't quite as hot of a hot take as it would have been uh, a few months ago. Guys, I loved Babylon. (laughs) Okay? And I know what you're going to say, but Allison, it's a hot mess. And to that, I reply, yes. And that's the point. It's supposed to be a hot mess. It's supposed to go a million miles an hour. It's supposed to leave you feeling confused and overwhelmed because that's Hollywood, baby. You know, that's how you're supposed to feel after you've experienced Hollywood at its height of all its glitz and glamour. You're supposed to feel like like you've just been on a Coke binge, basically. That's how you should leave Babylon, and that's how it feels. Margot Robbie is one of the most charming human beings alive. I will watch her in literally anything. And she is a fucking beast in Babylon. I loved it. Loved it. I still have not watched it, although I need to, especially the the second you said that you loved it. I was like, okay, 
great. I'm going to be one of these people where I'm going to watch it. I'm going to be this is a mess. Yep. Give it to me. That's the thing. Um, I, I'm yeah. not denying any of the criticisms of it. People are like, it is a mess. I'm like, correct. I think that is largely deliberate. I think it's supposed to be a messy film because they're telling a messy story. It's deeply, deeply weird at the end, which I loved. Um, and yeah, Margot's just, you feel for her in situations where it's like completely insane. She grounds it in this really authentic, emotional way where like, oh, she's just like such a movie star. And like, again, every scene like captivating and like the whole cast is great. Like I, I really enjoyed, I think Brad Pitt's a little miscast to be honest with you. And then when I found out it was supposed to be Leo in that role, I was like, ah, that makes way more sense. You're like, oh, yeah. I see. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, visually stunning cinematography, A+. Plus. Uh, there are some bananas scenes where they're filming a, a, a war scene that are just like breathtaking. Um, costumes amazing. The score is a banger. I was a little surprised that Babylon got completely iced out at the Academy Awards, but I thought at least the score would get through. And that didn't even happen, but it's like, it's it's so good, the score. Oh, I can't wait to watch it. I'm really excited. I'm excited for you. And actually, guys, I think, like, obviously, I'm a little sad I missed out on the theatrical experience of seeing it. But it's a long film. So actually, watching it at home, it's kind of nice because I could pause it whenever I wanted to. Uh, you could take bathroom breaks whenever you want. So, like, don't let that dissuade you. Don't be like, well, I wanted to see it on the big screen. So what's the point now? I actually think there are upsides to seeing it in the comfort of your home. Oh, I mean, that's absolutely how I feel about really long movies these days. Me too. I just like to be able to take it easy a little bit. Uh, and, um, and sometimes I want to squeal with glee and recognizing that I live now in a place where not a lot of people turn out to see movies, mm-hmm. uh, why not just enjoy it in the comfort of my own home? Yeah, truly. Um, I have. Oh, I, can I just say yes. very quickly? Yes. I find they finally brought RRR to Madison yeah. again mm-hmm. uh, for a week's run in one of the theaters, and so I went to see it with some friends who had just said well, maybe I'll watch it on Netflix. And I was like, guys, it's here. Let's go. We're going on Sunday. And I took uh, three people and it was, I think there were only six seats not filled. And it was a small theater, but I counted. There were like 44 chairs in the theater and only six of them were not taken. And people were cheering and giggling and whooping and laughing and clapping through the whole thing. And I was so happy to finally, finally get that it's the best. It was exactly. And that was a situation where finally watching it in Telugu and finally and having seen it a couple of times, I didn't mind that I got up to go to the bathroom or like get more soda because sure. I wasn't going to miss it. But oh, that was worth it. It is one of my <laughs> favorite theatrical experiences ever. I knew I had to do it because you were so you were so adamant. You weren't like, "Hey, if you have time, you were like, "Allison, this movie is playing at Nighthawk. You have to go see it. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> like I didn't know what it was. And you were like, you have to go see it with an audience. And it was like absolute mayhem in the best way. Like they were 
hardcore fans. They knew all the songs. They were doing the dances. I was like, this is wild. Um, yeah, I would like put it up there with like Rocky Horror, you know, in terms of like great audience participation. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, if you can see our ever, ever live with an audience, not live, <laughs> in a theater with an audience, uh, do it. Don't hesitate. Yeah. Now we can move on. Do you have any <laughs> recommendations before? I, I have a, a couple more recommendations and then an anti-rec. I actually do not think I have any recommendations right now. I have been so swamped by work that I've been complete, like I've been relying on a lot of comfort. Stuff. Yeah, that's valid. It, well, if you have any comfort stuff, we, we can do recs for that too. Uh, well, I, I guess the big one on my mind is that I started watching the Sopranos again, uh, for the oh, first time since call. 2015, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's hitting so much harder than that time. And so much harder than when I watched it, when it came out, because shocking, being 40 and watching it is very different than <laughs> when I was 17. Yeah, I I never saw The Sopranos until lockdown. And then I was like, what are some really critically acclaimed shows that I just never were like just not on my radar for whatever reason? And I was like, oh, I've never seen The Sopranos. Binge watched it in like a few weeks. And yeah, like uh, spoiler alert, everyone, the Sopranos fucking rules. It holds up really well. Um, I was saying to Meredith where I was like, it's that rare combination of obviously the writing is excellent, but also it's perfect casting from like top to bottom. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone is so spot on and like deeply understands their characters. Like obviously a lot of those, uh, some of those guys were like, if, not like wise guys themselves. They knew wise guys. So like very like tapped into that culture. But like, I mean, my God, James Gandolfini. Can you imagine anyone else playing Tony Soprano? No. No. Under no circumstances. No. Ever. Ever. Um, uh, oh, I do have, this does remind me of um, another recommendation that I have. But because uh, all of this came about because Michael Imperioli posted the trans flag on Instagram. And I was love like, him. I'm here. I see you. I love you. Like, I feel I, so bad you know, that it this. took me so long to acknowledge how hot he is. Cause like, I thought Christopher was hot in the Sopranos. It just never occurred to me to like publicly advocate for how hot he is. And then he was in white Lotus and like his, his hair is completely white now, which just makes him hotter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to like publicly come out as thinking this man is hot because I feel like people are sleeping on how hot he is. Yes. Uh, So of course I see that and I'm like, Oh God, he really is a real one. He's like so old school New York. He's worked in all of these incredible projects. He's clearly like connected to the dirtbags and the weirdos and the outcasts in a way that is extremely important and loving and genuine but then there's a movie, a Hal Hartley movie on Criterion called Amateur from 1994. It's part of the Isabel Huppert collection that they have up right now. Um, this psychosexual thriller kind of drama set in the East Village kind of kind of punk rock seediness. And he's in it. He has Ooh. a very small role, but he... Uh, I said, I think I sent you a, a screenshot from it that was him standing in like a club and there's a bunch of like punk stuff in the back, 
background oh, and he's yeah. wearing an I believe Anita Hill t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Um the movies has its flaws. It was a lot of fun. It does make me wish it had been a little bit better, but that's also what I feel about a lot of Hal Hartley movies mm-hmm. where there are really interesting ideas and a fantastic cast, but it doesn't always really gel for me unless it's got Adrian Shelley and then a couple of his Parker Posey movies. But so, speaking of, yeah. uh, that's a great recommendation. Um, speaking of things that we liked or I liked overall, but I have notes. It's a little messy. I don't think it quite gels at the end but I would still recommend it is a swarm on Amazon. And um, obviously swarm was getting a lot of attention because Donald Glover is the executive producer, but I would just like remind everyone that um, just because somebody produces something, it doesn't mean he wrote the show. (laughs) (laughs) There seems to be a little confusion about like what an EP does. And there were a lot of women of color who worked on the show, who wrote the show. Um, so black women were writing the black characters. So, uh, cause you know, Donald has a kind of a fraught history with, um, black women. Um, and at, at least on Twitter, you know, so if you don't like the show, he's not the only person who made the show. Mm-hmm. Just, just want to put that out there. I mainly, mainly, mainly want to shout out Dominique, Fishback, who I have been advocating for (laughs) since I saw Judas and the Black Messiah. I thought she was incredible in Judas and should have gotten an Oscar nomination for that. Um, She is such a fucking force in Swarm. And that series does not work without her. I also think uh, Billie Eilish does a great job. Um, She plays a, a pretty pivotal role. I won't give away who her character is. She was great as well. Uh, Chloe Bailey is in this as well. She plays um, Dre Dominique's uh, character's uh, best friend, and they have a really, really good chemistry together, and I fully believe they were friends. So it is, and I don't think this is a spoiler, but like uh, it is about a, uh, a black serial killer, which I read an interview with Donald, and they asked him like why this story interested him, and he was like, well, you know, like, we're so rarely represented in media in general that whenever we're represented black people, we tend to be held up as like saints, you know, or like, <laughs> like the ideal. Um, and he's like, but we can also be like assholes and killers. And he was like really interested in exploring horror a little bit. And I definitely thought quite a few times watching it that uh, somebody clearly saw Zola and liked it a lot. <laughs> A lot, if you know what I'm saying. Um, so some uh, similar aesthetic choices there, but that's okay because I really like Zola. Zola, I think, is one of the most underrated films in, in recent memory. Um, and yeah, I and, and there's a, a one scene in particular that I'm thinking of where it is very, very reminiscent of um, Get Out like very reminiscent. I was like, okay, like it's always that thing where it's like, is it an homage or is it just like borrowing a little too bit? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I do think there's uh, a lot of original stuff and it's really interesting. And again, Dominique is just amazing. And I'm like, again, so excited to see what she does next. Cause after Judas, I was like, I don't, 
like, I'm sure she was working, but I didn't know, like, I didn't see her in anything after Judas. So it's really, really good to see her back. Yeah. I mean, just remembering that back to what we were talking about when it comes to our concerns for people who get recognition for smaller roles in, in stuff when they're not easily castable, uh, because they're not white, uh, usually, um, she was a massive force in that movie. And yet it's not surprising whatsoever that she kind of dropped off the radar because people will probably not considering her for roles that she would have been good for because the vision for the character is not black woman. Right. So I'm glad that, I mean, I'm glad that Donald decided he was going to make this TV show and I'm really glad that she's in it because I think she's got a fantastic screen presence and she's really interesting. Um, So I'm, yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah. And I, maybe I'll, I did, maybe I'll watch that today. I think you should watch <laughs> it. I, I think you'll enjoy it for the most part. Like I said, I have notes and it didn't quite land like I wanted it to. Um, but I thought the casting was very clever because the central premise of the show is that Dre is obsessed with a Beyonce type pop figure. Um, and I, th- I think her name's Nija, but the casting is really clever because it's like you have all these pop idols, you have like Billy, you have Chloe, you know, and they're, they're great. Like they're acting really well. Um, but it, it's just very like self-aware in that way. Uh, guys, uh, Malia wrote an episode of, of this show. Um, was it? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, Malia Obama. And, um, so there's that as well. If that, does that entice you in any way? <laughs> uh, there you go. She wrote episode five, I think. Um, so that's interesting. Um, and yeah, I, I don't want to say too much cause I'm thinking about one episode in particular that really, really did not work for me, but I'm just going to let you watch and you can text me when you think you get to the episode. Um, okay. Yeah. Somehow I feel like I expect to be able to know, like, do we, do we have Gator, but for Nepo babies? Yeah, we might. We might. Well, usually <laughs> usually you can tell because you're like, this person isn't very good. Like, <laughs> how'd they get this job? Um, and then sometimes you're delightfully surprised. Like, th- this actor's really good. Oh, and, and they happen to be a Nepo baby. Okay. Um, and then finally, guys, my anti-rec is for Cocaine Bear. I won't say too much. I'll just say it's a great example of, like, aging millennial humor something that was like real funny on Twitter when people were all retweeting the article about the bear that got into the cocaine. We were like, ha ha ha. Can you even imagine a bear on cocaine? And then they tried to make a movie about it. And it was like, Oh, this is a little thin. She's a little thin. She, um, (laughs) but they did a very confusing thing where they tried to like, as opposed to leaning into the silly, they leaned a little more into like, I think they were going for Coen brothers where like they tried to flesh out characters in a, in dramatic ways where I was like, Ooh, the tone's not right. The tone should have been super, super stupid and silly. And to try to go dramatic with it was confusing. I don't understand how they made the movie boring, but they did. And, uh, it wasn't funny enough. There weren't enough jokes and uh, it was just kind of meh overall. 
Shockingly, <laughs> shockingly violent. Very, very violent. Huh. In a way that, well, that kind of surprised me. <laughs> that's disappointing. Yeah. I mean, I think we, we did talk about it a little bit, you know, when you first saw it. Um, it just seems like when you have a lot of talented people who are good at acting and a lot of people who are capable of being funny, why would you spend that much time putting together a violent scene when you should be punching up your jokes? That's what I don't get. And Elizabeth Banks is very funny. And she knows uh, like so many funny people that I'm just kind of like, why did no one punch this up? Maybe they did punch it up and that was the punched up version. Maybe they got a lot of studio notes. Like I don't know what was happening behind the scenes, but I just thought the tone did not work. It needed to be funnier. There needed to be way more cocaine. Um, and so there was plenty of bear, but there wasn't enough cocaine. <sighs> there, there was. Yeah, I guess there were too many characters is another issue. There's like 20 characters in the movie. So we don't really get to sit with anybody that long. So that didn't mm. help. Um, I just thought they could have done more. Like there's a scene where a couple kids find cocaine. They're like little kids and they try the cocaine, which I was like, wow, good on this movie, you know? Um, but they don't act very coked up. And I'm like, that could have been so funny. If you had two little kids coked out of their minds in the woods, I'm like, y'all, we could have taken this to like a hundred and they take it to maybe like 20, you know? Yeah. And I mean, given that 30 Rock had that joke where Jenna's dolls ended up being cocaine smuggling things yeah. and there's two like 10 year olds, they're like, it's 4 a.m. It's fine. We'll get there early. We own this town. Yeah. Like, yeah, that actually worked. Uh, like, some more of that. <laughs> and it's not an issue with the cast. The cast is great. Some great actors who I know are all very funny. So it's 100% the writing. Um, so yeah, I would anti-record unless like, you know, you're having a sicky day or it's raining outside and you want to watch something truly like in the background, um, then check it out. But yeah, it, it I really, really wanted it to be so silly and funny and it just wasn't. So I was disappointed. Oh, that's too bad. It's okay. I forgive Elizabeth. I'm glad she got to direct a film. We need more lady directors. And I didn't think anything was like directed poorly. I just thought, like I said, it was the writing. So, um, hey, yeah. as long we it made enough money, people She's seem to fine. have a fun time. Yeah. Like this is one of those things where, uh, great, we can move on. In two years, random streaming cable channels will have all of the ripoffs running constantly. Oh, yay. We can look forward to that. Um, yeah. I mean, I just do not need Meth Shark. Please, can we not? Can we stop just giving illegal drugs to animals, guys? Yeah. Can we? Uh, I'm acting like they actually did it, like they gave cocaine to a bear. And I'm like, I personally think that's wrong. Um, well, shortly afterwards, they did find a serval in Ohio that was on cocaine. A what? A serval. It's a large cat. How did he... Somebody gave him cocaine? I. It was unclear how he ended up on cocaine, but uh, the Cincinnati Zoo was treating him for cocaine exposure. Aw, poor baby. Yeah. I now just remember like the Cincinnati area is where all of those wild animals got out yeah. because the people died or something and then we're roaming around the Ohio countryside. So there, for some reason, there's just a lot of wild animals being kept and mistreated in Southern Ohio. 
Well, I don't like that. I disapprove. I anti-wreck that happening. Um, guys, we're out of time. Please follow Meredith on all the socials. Meredith L. Clark. Follow me at Allison Kilkenny. Follow the show, Light Treason Pod, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, yeah, that's where we are now. You can email the show, News at Gmail. I check that occasionally. If you want to skip the line, go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny for as little as $5 a month. You support this whole endeavor. It's how I pay hosting fees and I pay my co-hosts. Uh, it's your support. So I thank you for that. And yeah, it's good to be back. We'll have one more episode after this one and then it's Australia time and then I'm back. So, um, but feel free to tweet the show. Hashtag like trees and pod. We love hearing from you. Love hearing your recommendations. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. Just don't give cocaine to bears.